You're listening to the LifeWay Kids podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, we want to let you know about our exciting new event that's coming this October. We're taking everything that you know and love about KMC, our kids ministry conference, and we're expanding it to become Etch Family Ministry Conference. Etch stands for Equipping the Church and Home. We're planning a wide range of breakout sessions for you and your team members, featuring age-specific training for preschool, kids, preteen, and students, as well as combined sessions that are designed to help you get your whole team on the same page. It's going to be a great event, and we'd love for you and your whole team to be there. We're also lining up some incredible Nashville music to help you experience the sounds of our hometown right here in Nashville. Act fast as rates will increase on August 31st. Visit etchconference.com to get more details. That's E-T-C-H conference.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hi, listener. Welcome to the LifeWay Kids podcast. I'm Chuck Peters, and I'm here today with Landry Holmes, who is the leader of our kids' publishing team, uh, multiple teams, actually, and Jana Magruder, who is director of LifeWay Kids. And we are talking about curriculum today. Uh, This is the first in a series of discussions that we will have uh, about choosing and using curriculum in your kids' ministry, and uh, we are excited to kick it off with this episode where we will be discussing at a high level what to look for in curriculum and what it is that helps distinguish one choice from another as you make that choice. Um, As we uh, uh, have interacted with kids' leaders, we have found that choosing and using curriculum is one of the biggest questions, one of the most important decisions that a kids' pastor will make. Uh, It impacts uh, the feel uh, and the effectiveness of your ministry bigger than any other uh, aspect of ministry. And so, Jana and Landry, welcome. And, Thank you. Uh, let's talk about yep. curriculum. All right. <laughs> so if you would, start us off. Is it important for a church to use a curriculum? Well, I'm going to say yes, because that's what I do every day, is <laughs> lead teams that, that produce that. I would say that, first of all, I'd like to say curriculum is more than a leader guide. It's it's so much more than that. Um, curriculum, it's really everything that encompasses the teaching learning experience. It could be the room. It could be the atmosphere. It could be teaching tools. It could be the equipment. It's even as much as just the tone of the room as you come in, which really is set by the teacher. Um, well, and the children, too, can set the tone as well. So it's, it's, it's just so much more than that. And curriculum does include materials, print and digital um, but to me, yes, it is important in the context of the church. Because the choice would be uh, what to not use a curriculum would just be to what wing it week to week. Right. I mean, I see. I have seen churches that try to do what I call kind of a cherry picking um, process, where they might think, you know, um, I don't want to invest in uh, an ongoing curriculum, which is what we call the things that we do. Um, we have three of those, where you have a, a curriculum that comes to you. Uh, on a quarterly basis if you want to use it quarterly or a a short-term basis. But um, if you don't invest in that kind of curriculum and you think, I'm just going to wing it, like you said, uh, and you might start cherry-picking different activities from the Internet that are free or just using Pinterest, which, by the way, I think is great as a supplement um, for activities and things like that. 
Um, but the danger in that, and this is what I caution uh, leaders against, is that if you're just cherry picking content uh, from maybe stories that you really like or um, uh, things that you think are, are, are most important, then what could happen is you don't have a fully um, developed plan of discipleship. I mean, Andrew, do you agree in terms of, oh, oh, of, yes. of a curriculum helping you uh, set a roadmap for what your children are going to learn over the course of, say, three years, five years, however long they're in your ministry. I would say it gives you a plan because otherwise, like you said, we'll cherry pick. Right. We we think we're going to set out uh, teaching uh, a balanced approach, but it, we end up going back to those favorite books, those favorite stories that are we we say, oh, this is a story we had when I was a child. And it may have been when we were a child. Sometimes our memories get a little bit off. <laughs> we may be teaching a three-year-old a story that we didn't really learn till we were in seventh grade. Right. But it's a plan that if we don't have a plan, we really never get to the full picture of God's redemptive mm-hmm. story, which we find in all 66 books of the Bible, and that, uh, and we teach them in ways that apply to kids' lives. And when we don't have a plan, we do get kind of tired and worn out. Um, you know, and there's this, as I said, curriculum is also everything that happens in the room. If you don't have a plan, then you end up gravitating to the same activities. Uh, the kids get bored and guess what happens? What happens when kids get bored? You've got kids at your house that summer's just over. What happens when they get bored? Behavior issues (laughs) pop up big time. That's right. Because they'll take over. (laughs) Right. And, uh, we love children, but we also realize we have a short period of time. So if we don't have a plan, we can squander the time that God gives us. Yes. So curriculum really is, it's the content that you're teaching, but it's also the sequence that you're teaching it in and over the duration of time that you will be teaching it. So it's really more than just what you teach, right? It's the whole strategy for how you do that. How is uh, uh, discipleship, how does discipleship uh, relate to curriculum? I'd like to think in terms about how Jesus actually had a three-year scoping sequence. Now, you're not going to find scope and sequence in the Bible, so you don't have to look in your concordance on your computer, Chuck. <laughs> but Jesus had an end goal. It was to make disciples of people who would make disciples of people who would make disciples. And just look in the Matthew uh, where Jesus says, go and make disciples. But he had a three-year plan. His ministry was about three years. And he had 12 men who he took from where they, you know, they were, tax collector and fisherman and all the different and he took them and he taught them day in day out he taught them through stories we teach children through story he taught them through example we teach kids through example but all along he was gradually getting to the point where he could leave you know he he died and rose again and he came back and they weren't quite ready yet Spent a few more days with them before he was ascended into heaven. And he was, and then he left them the Holy Spirit, of course. But he had a three-year plan. That's what I think about discipleship. Our, it is important for discipleship because we take children where they are, no matter what age they are. And uh, even children, you know, a lot of the children in our ministries have not come to a place where they re- have received Jesus as their Savior. They're, they haven't trusted in Jesus yet. But we're building foundations in their lives. That curriculum gives us that plan of building this, uh, foundations for discipleship 
and for coming to have a, a, a real relationship with Jesus and growing in that relationship. Mm. And That's at the good. end of that time, having walked through those things together, uh, those disciples, be they disciples of, of Christ or the Jesus disciples or the kids in a program are ready to move on to what's next for them uh, to take action. Yeah, very right. insightful. So let's talk more specifically about curriculum. So in general, yes, okay, we need a curriculum. It's wise to have a plan for discipleship rather than just pulling something out of the air week in and week out with our favorites. Um, but when it comes to choosing a curriculum, there's there are a lot of variables and there are a lot of differences uh, from one to the next. How do you make a choice about what's right for you? What's going to work in your context? Where do you begin? Well, goodness, it can be overwhelming because there are endless options um, out there in, say, the marketplace. Uh, but I would definitely start with uh, finding something that is trustworthy in terms of your biblical doctrine. So make sure that the curriculum that you're looking at matches up with your church belief and their statement of faith. So that's number one. You have to get that right first. Um, so a biblically-based, doctrinally sound um, and then age appropriate for the kids that you are stewarding, whether you're only over preschool uh, or if you're also over children and preteens, make sure that what you're choosing has age appropriate content. Uh, that's very important as well. So these are basics, biblically sound, age appropriate in terms of the content and activities. Um, I would also encourage, um, in terms of selecting curriculum, to find something that fits your church context and your ministry context. Uh, what is right for Landry's church may not be right for my church. It may not be right for mm -hmm. yours, Chuck. Um, so there are. Um, it's good that we have uh, options and choices because mm. we all serve in churches where the contexts are are different. And so some curriculums reach um, a church context better than others. And and that's why it's important to evaluate and not do that in isolation. Bring in volunteers. Bring in parents. Bring in other ministry leaders to uh, form a team and almost have a curriculum lab where you've printed out, you know, a lot of uh, providers um, have free content where you can look at it and really get a feel for what lessons look like, what scope and sequences look like, and get help evaluating and make a decision together on what is best for your church context. Mm -hmm. And so, as you said, that may not be the same uh, one church to the next. We There are commonalities that we want to look for, right? There are non-negotiables that you want to look for. You mentioned lining up theologically with the beliefs of your church. Uh, there may be others. Are there some other non-negotiables that you should look for in a curriculum? What are the things that you that you absolutely must look for? Well, first of all, um, what's most important is does it line up with your church's doctrine i want to i want to say that again does it line up with your church's doctrine and theology and uh you can't get that from just browsing through a leader guide you the cool thing is that on you can go to the internet almost any publisher uh whether it's a small publisher or a big publisher if it's published by a church you can go to that website and you can dig and find their core beliefs read those mm -hmm. and make sure that they line up biblically. Um, and while that's really doctrine and theology, this may sound like a, a fine um, fine line, but biblical accuracy. Mm -hmm. So their statement of faith may agree with yours, but then that's where you look at the leader guide. 
Look at those Bible stories. Look at the Bible content. Look at the activities. Do they all point back to the Bible? Which, of course, we know the Bible is God's revelation of himself. Do they point to the Bible? Do they point to Jesus? You know, so many times we can water down curriculum and never get to Jesus, never really hone in on what the Bible says. And uh, children can understand what the Bible says. We just need to find the words to use and the ways to teach them. Because, you know, and and again, that goes back to uh, age appropriate. So when you think about age appropriate, that means different things for different churches. What my church is age appropriate may be may not be what your church thinks is age-appropriate, depending on the ages. So you've got to determine for your church. Another thing with age-appropriate is that it, is it taught in such a way that the children learn from their hands to their heads to their hearts? So is it experiential? So learning style is another variable. Yes, it is. And there are many different learning styles. Mm. So I just, you know, simplistically, when I say you learn from your hands, that could be different styles. That And children learn head knowledge before they really learn heart knowledge. Um, that's just the way that God's wired us. Mm-hmm. So they learn through doing, and they may be, you know, they le- may learn through music. They may learn through uh, being active physically. They may learn through sp- being kind of reflective. They may learn through, especially if you've been around preteen girls, they learn a lot through relational, you know, learning. They, they and like crafts. To, and crafts, yes, <laughs> and crafts. Uh, but all of that is not, for the sake of a product, it is the process of getting God's word into their heads, which in turn uh, we pray will get into their hearts. You know, it's kind of it's it's the scripture in Psalm one nineteen eleven. You know, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. Mm-hmm. So that's really what it's about. But it's got to start somewhere. So when you, you ask me, a non-negotiable would be that it does have that kind of appeal from the hand to the head to the heart, appealing to different learning styles, different approaches to learning. I also think that it's very important that there are tools that would engage families. You know, it's really difficult to engage families, but we know it's important. So does the curriculum provide practical tools and a variety of different kinds mm-hmm. of tools? Um, Such as what, what sort of tools might you look for? Well, um, I would want a variety because, say, the, the children that I teach, I have to really... Um, approach each family differently. You know, some, they, it's a text. Some, it might be through a Facebook post. Some, it might be through um, uh, a phone conversation, an email. Uh, a lot of it's just, you know, is a is here. you could use this at home and hand them something that they could use at home or email them something. Here's an app mm-hmm. that you could use at home to reinforce what we've talked about. Um, so when I, I, I think about apps, I think about uh, social media tools. I think about it. Yes, take-home papers, and we people complain that they end up on the floor somewhere, and they do, but not in every household. Mm. So you have to have a variety. So for the household that they end up on the floorboard of the SUV on the way home, well, maybe the app works for them. Mm. Um, so that that's just something. And, and part of it is just: is there something really short and quick that I can tell a parent? Ask your child this. You know, and sometimes I'll tell children. I say, now when somebody picked when. You know, your your parent, your grandparent, uh, whoever picks you up today. And they say, hey, what'd you do today? What'd you learn today? Here's this one thing. And I even, uh, you know. Because you know they're going to ask. They are going to. Or, or they'll say, did you have fun? Right. So I hope that that's 
they do have fun. That's another thing. Is it fun? Do they have fun while they're learning? And that's an important aspect of learning, right? Yeah, if it's enjoyable, it you retain it more. How about preparing your teachers? One of the things that uh, that uh, leaders are concerned with is how difficult is it to prepare? Uh, what kind of resources might you look for in a curriculum that help set you up for success? Well, well-written resources are going to be so intuitive that uh, any volunteer that is um, a safe adult can flip through it and spend some time in it and be able to teach from it. Um, it's also going to help guide a ministry leader to uh, offer a more in-depth training for how to use the material. So if the scope and sequence is strong and the the visuals that are provided and the activities that are provided are strong, then that is going to make my job as a children's minister easier for when I gather my volunteers together to train them. So look for that um, intuitive teaching plan that will not only make my job easier, but make it real easy for my leaders who come, you know, every Sunday or whenever they're volunteering for me to to be able to teach from easily. I would say, is it scalable? So is it is it easy enough for a beginning teacher or somebody that just found out that morning because somebody else got sick at the last minute? I, I can come in and I can use this and this and this, and they're already around. They're in the room. I don't have to send somebody to the store to buy something. you know. So it, it needs to be intuitive where I can just come in and, and teach. Uh, but it also needs to be scalable for those teachers that want to prepare and are more experienced and they can start adapting it. Because really, curric any curriculum is a guide. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should always approach it that way because we, a publisher cannot produce curriculum that's perfect for every church. I mean, there's just no way. And even, even if I were to self-publish, I couldn't make it perfect for every class at my exactly. church. Or every child at my church. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to, um, as you get more experience as a teacher, you need to be able to realize that that curriculum is a guide. So I may change this game up here. I may change this craft up here. I may change the schedule up some. But the heart of it is that scope and sequence, that study plan, that unchanged. Mm -hmm. Because that's my plan for my end goal of making disciples of children. So I'm going to stick with that plan, but I may vary my activities. And so like this week, the game may work really well. And next week you may introduce the same kind of game and it doesn't work at all and you just have to throw it out the window and do something else. So you always have to be flexible and versatile. But the curriculum also has to be for that teacher that they have to go one, two, three and be successful. And the other teacher who can prepare and they can adapt. Hmm. Let's talk briefly about starting point. So that, that term may not be something that uh, most of our listeners are familiar with, but since we create more than one line of curriculum here at Lifeway Kids, we have uh, differentiated between them using something that we call starting point. We had mentioned earlier uh, in the episode that different churches have different needs. They may have a different context within or a different uh uh, way that they prefer to study or the way that the senior pastor studies. Jana, can you unpack for us the various starting points that we've identified and how those relate to making a curriculum choice? Sure. Uh, just briefly, because um, I know we're going to unpack even more in the uh, the rest of this series, what starting points mean and, to, uh, and how they relate to our different curriculums. But uh, LifeWay, identified uh, three starting points. We have the life starting point. And when I say life, 
I mean kind of two different things. Life application, which we're always looking for good life application when we teach kids. We want them to study the scriptures, but take that to a personal um, life application. But also, where are they in life? Where does the Bible meet them in the phase of life that they are in? As children's ministers, we um, we shepherd babies all the way to preteens sometime. And so life application means different things to different age groups. But uh, that is one of our starting points. Another one is text. And that's where um, you start with the scriptures in a very expository way. So if your church is has that in your DNA, expository preaching, um, and really value digging in book by book, verse by verse even, um, then uh, we have a curriculum called Explore the Bible that uh, uh, really is what we call a text starting point. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's not life application? No. And for our Bible Studies for Life curriculum, which is the life starting point, that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of Scripture and Bible, but there's just mm-hmm. a starting point. The last one is um, theology. And for Gospel Project uh, for kids, we have a, go- a theology starting point that we um, where we cover truths and doctrine. Um, We don't use those words really, doctrine and theology with kids, but they are the themes of scripture throughout the whole narrative of the Bible. And so the Gospel Project speaks to that starting point. So three, life, text, and theology. And we have three curriculums that wrap around that. And is it safe to say that every curriculum that's out there has a starting point, whether that's known or published or not, Everything kind of starts somewhere. It's either starting from a life application point of view, from a book-by-book approach, from a theology point of view. And there are some others out there, uh, and it's important to kind of identify from what perspective your curriculum is created. Okay, well, thank you guys uh, for spending time talking about curriculum today. There's much more we could go into, and we're going to. So we will continue in the in the next few episodes to unpack each of the different offerings from the LifeWay Kids team um, and get into depth on Explore the Bible and Bible Studies for Life Kids and the Gospel Project for Kids. Uh, so thank you, Landry. Thank you. Thank you, Jana. And thank you, listener, for joining us for today's LifeWay Kids podcast. Uh, We trust that you found this information helpful to you as you serve churches in your ministry. Thank you for listening to the LifeWay Kids podcast. Don't forget to visit etchconference.com to learn more about our exciting new family ministry conference that's happening here in Nashville, October 3rd through 5th. The rates will go up on August 31st, so be sure to register as quickly as possible to lock in the lowest rate. Once again, information is available at etchconference.com, E-T-C-H conference.com. We look forward to seeing you here in Nashville for Etch.